morning. Good morning. Buenos dias. That's all I know. <laughs> I spent a week in Tijuana helping to build a church. I learned that. I learned no mas because there was too much food. <laughs> and, I, and I learned mi nombre et Gilberto. So that's about it. Uh, well, the good news is Brad and I were trying to figure out how to stretch my notes for the full time, and, and the good news is it'll probably be fine. <laughs> the bad news is you won't get out 15, 20 minutes early. Ah, Father, thank you for the uh, privilege of being up here, and I just pray for your, your anointing on the word, Lord. Let these be your words and not mine this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, today, I'm going to try to give you a picture of what a pastor is. Uh, this sermon has gone back and forth between me and God for about a week, week and a half now since my good friend Paul said, why don't you preach? It'll be easy. It'll be fun. I have declared this international throw Paul under the bus day. So, and yeah, and it was an awesome time yesterday in, in spite of the horse race that we were forced to do, Darlene. And we will get even for that. I know. Uh, and my question is, where was Phil and Mark? Because we should have made them come up the aisle on the horses today. Um, you know, you'd think that uh, talking about a pastor in a Pentecostal church would be easy because we don't elevate them like, like some churches do and we kind of get to know them on a more personal level. Uh, but it's harder than you think. Um, the first thing I'd like to do is look at the person that I consider to be the very first pastor that I, that I can find in the Bible. Uh, his call was directly from God, face to face as it were. Uh, he, had, he had a very large flock. They were unruly. They were arrogant. They were stubborn. They both blessed him and drove him to distraction, but he loved them. And his name was Moses. Look at these verses from Deuteronomy 30. Wow, that's small. Um, <laughs> now what I am commanding you today is not too difficult for you or beyond your reach. It is not up in heaven so that you have to ask who will ascend into heaven and get it and proclaim it to us so that we may obey it. Nor is it beyond the sea so that you have to ask who will cross the sea to get it and proclaim it to us so we may obey it. No, the word is very near to you. It's in your mouth and in your heart, so you may obey it. There's a theme there, obey, I think. Uh, see, I set before you today life and prosperity, death and destruction, for I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land you are entering to possess. But if your heart turns away and you are not obedient, and if you are drawn away to bow down to other gods and worship them, I declare to you this day that you will certainly be destroyed. You will not live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to enter and possess. This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God Listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life, and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
Now, if you think about it, that's not unlike what our pastors tell us all the time in different ways, in different speeches. And if you wonder why there's a salvation call usually at the end of a service, you know, there it is, choose life. You know, so that you choose life. Because no matter how long you've been in a church, you'll find that there's always people there who aren't saved. And usually they're there by divine appointment. Now, we look to our pastors every week. We've got three pastors here and three pastors' wives, and we'll get into that a little later. Uh, and we watch as they deliver a sermon. Now, how many of us think a little deeper than that? You know, many of us don't. Many of us just sit and listen to the sermon and then, and then go home. You know, was it good? Was it bad? Was it moving? Was it boring? Did we fall asleep? Did it make us squirm? Did we get angry at ourselves or maybe at someone else? Did we say to ourselves, boy, I wish so-and-so could hear this? Yeah. <laughs> Did the pastor seem to be speaking directly to us? Boy, how many times has that happened? Did we learn something we didn't know? Were we challenged to dig into a piece of scripture to learn more? And that list can go on and on. We could spend all day here talking about what the, what the pastors kind of challenge us to do in their sermon. But what happens behind the scenes? What don't we see as a congregation? Acts 20, verse 28 says, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he bought with his own blood. Now, watching over the flock, you know, that means being there for people who have just learned they've got cancer, facing the death of a loved one, have kids that can't break out of addiction, and people that are criticizing your ministry. You know, that's, that sometimes can be a hard thing to do, to watch over a flock, especially unruly and stubborn and you know like, like many of us are that's the nature of being a Christian sometimes first Timothy 3 1 to 5 says here is a trustworthy saying I love Paul here's a trustworthy saying whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task now this overseer is to be above reproach faithful to his wife temperate self-controlled respectable hospitable able to teach not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? Now, how many of us have done all of that? Wow, I don't see a single hand. And yet, that's what's required of our pastors. And when you, when you think about a pastor's life, it's no different than ours. The challenges are maybe even greater. The responsibilities certainly are greater. Uh, but, but they do it, and they come back every week, you know, and do it over and over and over again. And that's one of the reasons why we appreciate you guys, because you're faithful. Remember fr Friday night in Honor Bound? You guys were Honor Bound? You know, faithful, 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 and faithful, and faithful. I, I wondered how the guy didn't fall down because I get dizzy just turning around once. But faithful, that's part of it. Titus 1, 9, 1, 7 to 9 says pretty much the same thing. Since his overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, 
not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. Wow. Self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. That's a tall order. You know, we, none of us can match it. Sometimes it makes me wonder why he put this in Scripture in, re, in relation to overseers and pastors. Now, Ephesians 4, verse 11 to, well, let's say 13, says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we, reach, we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. So who gave us our pastors? Yeah, Jesus anointed our pastors to preach. So they're a gift from, from Jesus to us. This is pretty much what the scripture is saying to us. And for what? To equip us for works of service. When I was first planning this, this service, I talked to Marion a little bit about it, and, and we both kind of thought that the, the whole thing should be about you know, the servant, the suffering servant, and that's how it started out, and God kind of changed it a little bit on me. And poor Brad, he, uh, he had to deal with a lot of that at the last minute, because if you don't know, Brad's the guy that does all the graphics and everything, and uh, I'm sure we all drive him crazy sometimes. Um, if you look back at verse 11, it says, do you understand that Christ gave us our pastors? You know, basically, that's what he's saying. And for what? For works of service, to build the body so we reach unity. Now, Marion and I have been in a number of churches, and I want to tell you, your unity is the most valuable thing you have as a church. And it's the thing that the enemy will attack first and over and over again. And as soon as he can find a crack and get some disunity in there, he will do that. And it's, it's up to all of us, not these guys, it's up to all of us to prevent that from happening. And that, that's a tall order because it's, you know, it's easy to sit there and complain. It's, it's not so easy to roll up your sleeves and, and get to work. And I see a lot of people in this, in this congregation that roll up their sleeves and get to work every day. And we hardly ever see them, but we see the fruit of what they do. And these gentlemen and their wives roll up their sleeves 24-7. And it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful calling, but it's tough. So I see in all of these people, gentlemen and ladies here, uh, being shepherds of the church, being above reproach, being faithful to their wives and family, being blameless, self-controlled, disciplined, and servants. Now, you can't be everything all the time. But you can aspire to that, and you can, and these gentlemen and, and their wives have. So as we think about it, I don't tell jokes like Paul does. So, so as we think about it, think about what it takes to do the job. A pastor has to write and deliver a sermon every week. It sounds easy, but, but I can tell you from experience that it's not. Now, I don't do this very much anymore, but... It's not easy to put together a sermon. It's not easy to sit down and put together what you think is, is a good sermon and have God change it. And maybe you don't think it's so good after he changes it. So you argue with him about it. 
Anybody ever win an argument with God? <laughs> I never have. Um, so it takes many hours of prayer and thought to put something different together every week and still honor God's directions. While a pastor is doing, trying to do this, there are other little things that come up. He checks the building one brisk December morning and finds that the furnace isn't working. He has to call for service. In the meantime, one of us calls to say that our child is in the hospital undergoing emergency surgery for something dire, so you put on clean clothes that don't smell like oil. Uh, you jump into your car and you head for the ER. And once there, you do what the pastor thing is. You, know, you, you be a pastor, you're there for the family, you're there for the person. Um, and while you're there, you get a message that the furnace repairman is sitting outside the church waiting for you because, well, you're a pastor and you, he expected you to be at the church where you belong and he didn't call. So, did I mention that you're a one-car family and it's time to pick up your wife from her job? Because she has a full-time job because it's a small church and they can't pay you a lot. So your wife works. So you get all that taken care of. You settle down to a meal with your family. And that person at the grocery store that you've been talking to for months about coming to church because you know that they don't have a church, you know that they don't have God in their lives, calls on the phone and wants to know if you have time to talk for a few hours about why you believe in God. Oh, and don't forget the church dinner is on Saturday. Now that's what being a pastor is about, week after week and, and year after year. And boy, I'll tell you, that, that's it in a nutshell. Now I don't want to leave the wise out of this because a good pastor, a great pastor, is backed up by a great family. And the key component of that family is the wife. And I often wonder if you ladies knew what you were getting into when your husband said, I think I've been called to be a pastor. God is telling me I need to do this. The first thing that they have to do is they have to love Jesus more than their husband. And that sounds crazy, but that's the way it is. Because if they don't love Jesus more than their husband, they're not going to make it in this. They walk a fine line for, between caring for a family and for their husband and being visible in the church and active in the pastor's ministry. They complete their husbands by filling in for their weaknesses. Now, man, I know we don't have any weaknesses, but trust me, if it weren't for our wives, we'd be in a sorry, sorry state. Lastly, they are obedient to the call of God, regardless of the costs, and they walk by faith. You three ladies are fine examples of that, from what I can see. It's, it's awesome. Uh, and they're often the quiet warrior in the family, the one that does battle with the devil and over the children, over the pastor's ministry, over things in their life, over all those things. And they support the men that we love. So we need to love and respect them for that. What are the rewards of being a pastor? Anybody want to tell me? Anybody have an idea? Just yell it out loud. Free food. Free food. <laughs> Amen. Pentecostal pastors mostly. Because one thing we Pentecostals know how to do is eat. And cook. Um, well, let, let's look at a couple uh, more pieces of scripture here. Matthew 16, verse 17 and 18 says, Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, 
for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by, by my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus promised to bless and build the church. So you're working in an institution, probably the only one on the face of the earth, that Jesus has blessed and promised to build. So I think that's one of the rewards. Um, Hebrews 13, verse 17 says, Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that their work will be a joy, not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. There, there's joy in ministering to a specific group of believers, to, to, to a church and to the people in it. Um, and part of that is a responsibility because yes, you will be called to give an account for them. Uh, and, and the other part is getting to see them grow and getting to see them start to shoulder some of the burdens that you have as a pastor. Um, if you look at Hebrews 6, verses 1 through 3, it says, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings of Christ, about Christ and be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about cleansing rites, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting, we will do so. You're bringing a group of believers into maturity, spiritual maturity, as a pastor. Um, I'm not the same person I was in 1991 when I got saved. You're not the same person you guys were when you first got saved. A pastor was responsible for bringing you along into where you are now. And no matter how imperfect and no matter how far you think you have to go yet, you're a long way from where you begin. I used to have a good friend that say, you know, when, when things get bad, when things get down, you need to turn around and you need to look at the chasm that you climbed out of with the help of Jesus and with the help of your pastor. Because to look back on your life is always a, a good thing to do. The other, the other thing that I think is a blessing, you may not disagree, with, you may not agree with me on this, but a pastor gets to see the whole of life of his church. You get to baptize the babies, you get to do the marriages, you get to do the funerals. You know, it's, it's joy, joy, grief, uh, and yet joy because knowing that the person that you're doing the funeral for is with Jesus again. But you see the whole life of the church and you do bear some of the burdens of that life uh, with people. The other thing is, you feel loved, appreciated, and trusted. You know your people pray for you and care about you. How many pray for your pastor? For all of them. Yeah, almost all of you. It, it's something that we're called to do, to pray for our leaders. And I know from the examples that I saw on the stage and from, from the shouting and the, and the applause and everything that we all love our pastors. So why should we appreciate our pastors after all that? And hey, we may finish up early. Uh, well, because your pa our pastors were selected by none other than God himself, right? That was the first thing we learned. 
You know, they're, they're anointed by God to preach. So we should appreciate them for that. Here's one that you may not have thought about because our pastors carry burdens that you know nothing about. Um, and, and we probably don't know the half of it, aside from wearing far more hats than they should to, to keep this thing we call a church going. Um, they carry whose burden? Ours. Our pastors pray for us. Our pastors know us probably pretty well, unless we've sat in the church all our lives and not opened our mouth or, or ran out at the end of the service and not talked to the pastors. Our pastors usually know something about everybody in the church and they, and they pray about it. We've all asked Pastor Jeff, Pastor Keith, Pastor Luis to pray for us about something. Um, the other reason we need to appreciate them is because they have many of the same struggles that we do. You know, most of our pastors, all of our pastors work. Um, they have a home, they have relationships, they have a family. They have to struggle with the same financial things that we do. You know, bills have to be paid. Um, a pastor's salary, in spite of what you see and hear on TV, is not that great. Uh, usually, usually it's pretty meager compared to, uh, you know, compared to what, uh, what you can make in, in business. Um, the difference that our pastors have is that there's very few people that our pastor can go to with these burdens. So we all need to endeavor to be one of those people because they have burdens too and they need prayer and they face situations that we all face. They face the death of a loved one. They face... Um, children growing up and not doing what you think they should. I think we all face that. Uh, so I think one of the main reasons that we should appreciate them is because they put up with our criticism. They put up with our complaints and they put up with our wacky ideas for ministries. You know, no matter how crazy it sounds, you know, we, we go to them and say, hey, pastor, I have this idea, you know. Let's have the board race on horses. <laughs> I'm sorry, I told you I'd get you, darling. Um, and like any of us, pastors need to hear more of the good than the bad. You know, so if, if you think your pastor does a good job at something or helped you out or you had one of the prayers that you asked him to pray for you answered, tell him, tell him. Don't just tell them that the pews are too hard or you know, the lights are too bright or, or things like that. You know, tell them, hey, we did this and it went great. Your idea was awesome. You know, tell them those things too. Because it's his job to listen to the criticism and it's his job to react to the criticism. But, but, but to hear the good things, that, that's a bonus. So that's one of the reasons why we should appreciate him because they put up with us. And one of the last things here is because our pastor needs to know we're with him, that we're behind him, that whether we're a staff member or whether we're just a member of the congregation, that we need to give him our support. You know, not just monetary, not just throw money in the plate every, every Sunday, uh, but to give them our support both verbally and physically to be there 
You know, I know I'm getting to be an old guy, but there's still a couple things I can do. I can't lift an armoire onto my back and take it upstairs anymore. Keith, where is he? There he is. Um, but I, there's things I can do, and there's things we can all do. You know, and, and again, this is a church where there's a lot of people doing those things. And if you want something to do, just look around. You know, I, I, I made the, uh, the mistake of asking Pastor Jeff, you know, what needs to be done around here? And I, I, think, I think he was still talking after I left. I'm not sure. Uh, so there, there's a lot of things to do, and pastors do wear too many hats. All right, here's the last scripture that we're going to close with today. And it's kind of long. It's uh, 2 Timothy 4, 1 to 6. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine, Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. So as, as one of your parishioners, I don't use that word much anymore, keep preaching the truth. Don't fall prey to things that we want to hear. Continue to preach from the word of God. Because that's what it's all about. You know, this, this isn't a popularity contest. This isn't uh, who gets the most toys contest. This is, this is who gets to heaven and who doesn't. And, you know, it's, it's a tremendous responsibility for these guys. It's a tremendous responsibility for all of us because we're all supposed to be evangelists. So at the very least, say thank you to these men and the families that love and support them. And I know there's more family for Luis than, than I see here in front of me. I think there's some back in the back there too. Um, and tell them that you love and support them. So, Pastor Jeff, Anna, Keith, Lynette, Pastor Luis, Edith, we appreciate you. And we say thank you for the things that you do behind the scenes that we don't see. And for the things that you do out in front where we do see you. And I think I speak for everybody here, but I think we're blessed to have such a great ministry team. It's the first church I've ever been that's had multiple pastors. You know, this is awesome. So, yeah, somebody started to do this. Okay, Paul, it's all yours. And you were worried. Come on, man. I knew I made a good choice. Thank you, Gil. Um, if I could ask my fellow board members who are not pastors to come up here, please, and join me.
It's not a test, fellas. So at this time, we'd like to present to our pastors and their families uh, a small gift from your church family to you. If I could, I'd like Pastor Jeff, Pastor Keith, and Pastor Luis to come up. You know, it, it's kind of sad that we only take one month a year to take the time. Don't choke them on me and I'll be okay. To take the time to say thank you. Because you guys don't only work one month a year. You work 12 months a year for all of us. And as Gil so eloquently said, um, behind the scenes, praying for us, caring for us, preparing lessons for us, teaching us, reminding us the right way to go. And at times, uh, getting out the stick and smacking us in the back of the head when we're not quite where we need to be. And uh, it takes a true friend to do that. Uh, but above all, someone who loves God, who loves Jesus, and who's willing to serve. And we thank you for taking what God has called you to do, making it your, your profession, and for caring for all of us. You are such a benefit to this community, such a benefit to this church and to all of us. And we just want to say thank you. Um, I also have an extra card somebody threw in the uh, special offering plate, so thank you for whoever did that. Uh, Pastor Jeff, Pastor Luis, Pastor Keith. Thank you, sir. Thank you. I'd hug you, but I stink. <laughs> Fellas. Now, I'd like one other thing to happen here before you guys disappear. I'd like the pastor's wives to join us on the stage. Because, as Gil, so also, Gil also so graciously pointed out, us fellows are pretty much nothing without strong support at home. And these three ladies are perfect examples of pastor's wives. They're always willing to give they're always there doing things, just like the pastors, doing things nobody ever sees. And yet these things get done, and they are there. And we are grateful that you have partnered with your husband to support this church and to support this community. And we want to say thank you to you as well. God bless you and thank you. Now, we're... We're going to close with a song, but before we do that, I want to pray for the pastors and their wives. Um, if you could, just reach out a hand, extend a hand to them, and we're going to pray for them. If you would, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for these pastors and their wives. Lord, they are so special to us. They are part of our family and part of our community. They're just such a blessing. Lord, we thank you for their, their answer to your calling, that they serve us each and every day. They serve you. They guide us. We thank you for their friendship, for their love, for their patience, for their understanding. Lord, for, for just being there when we need them through the, through the worst of times, through the best of times. Lord, we, we thank you that the pastors and their wives have chosen to serve you first and then this community. And we just pray that you would bless each of their ministry, Lord. Just touch them,
Help them to, to feel your presence. Lord, when they've listened to 500 complaints and, and things just aren't going well, just reach down and, and let them know you are there and just bless them. Give them joy. Give them peace. Lord, I just pray that you would be with them, bless them, continue to bless their ministry. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Okay, if I could get the uh, musicians to come back up, we'll close with a song. Go ahead and we'll stand up and close with a, a faster song again today. I liked that the other week, so, so we're going to do that way we can be excited when we leave and pumped to serve God.
pastors. What? What? I, I, I can't help it. Fight the urge. Fight the urge. I tell you, give a guy a stage and he just wants it forever. If you would, bow your heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the opportunity to be here together today, Lord. We're just so grateful. Lord, we pray that... Uh, Everything that was said and done here would be pleasing and bring honor to you, Lord. And we just pray that you would be with us this week, especially be with those who could not be here today and just bless them. Lord, let us be a light unto others. Let us help others to see you. Help us to lead those who don't know you to you. Be with us as we leave now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <laughs>